Hello and welcome to this, the third episode of the Arsenal Beat, a podcast which brings together the journalists and reporters who cover Arsenal on a regular basis. On the Arsenal Beat today, again, I'm afraid to say, is myself, Mark Manbryans from PA Media. You just can't get rid of me. And I'm here with Simon Collings of the Evening Standard and the Athletics Art de Roche. As ever, we begin with a quick introduction of the journalists on today's panel. I've already been lingering like a bad smell, so let's hear from Simon and Art. What does your work entail and how long have you been covering Arsenal? Uh, Simon, we'll come to you first. Yeah, so uh, I work for the Evening Standard newspaper, um, covering mainly Arsenal. I joined them in January 2019, started out doing Watford and Crystal Palace. Um, and then after friend of the show, James Olley, uh, moved on to ESPN. I am attempting to fill his rather big shoes at the moment. So I've been covering the club since pretty much Project Restart, covering them solely. Uh, before that, I used to work for a press agency called Haters, did a bit of Arsenal during that time, went on their tour to Singapore, which is sort of how I ended up uh, working for the Standard. So, yeah, since I've started covering them, things have slowly gone downhill. So I'm probably not the greatest omen for things at the moment. <laughs> and then come to you, Art. Yeah, uh, I'm Art Deroche. Uh, I'm Arsenal writer at the Athletics, started there in October of this year. Um, before then, I was with London for a year, uh, where I guess most people know me as uh, James Benj's partner in crime there. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, similar to Simon in the fact that it might not be the, the best omen. Uh, I know James had a little uh, joke saying that I was Unai Emery's curse because <laughs> um, my first game covering the club for Football at London was away at Sheffield United. Not a great game. Um, but yeah, that's uh, a little bit on me. I think we talked about curses there. I think this podcast could be seen as that because I don't think we've had one good performance since we launched. But um, so on that point, I think if we look at the, the Burnley game, that was still quite raw for a lot of the fans, those that were there and obviously a lot watching on TV. But I think we're going to focus on on Granit Xhaka and just how what happened to him yesterday is almost a microcosm really at the moment of what, what's happening for Arsenal, I think, isn't it? It's a bit... The slide seems to have set in well and truly. He, I think that was a, a bad reaction yesterday, wasn't it, guys? And, and Mikel almost defending him afterwards, which was which was strange here, wasn't it, Simon? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Xhaka just seems to be... Well, I thought we'd got past this stage of him being the lightning rod for criticism, but after yesterday, he will now be the centre of attention. And, and rightly so, really, because... You know, I, th I think sometimes we, we look at that Arsenal squad and we see all these young players. When you come to Xhaka, you know, he's an experienced international. He's captain Switzerland. He's captain Arsenal. And we'd been lauding him, you know, all three of us, you know, three, four months ago about how he was Arsenal's leader, you know, behind closed doors. We were saying, oh, fantastic. You know, you can hear Xhaka speaking. You can hear him organising. And then he goes and does that. And it was so naive. And so just, you know, I thought it was worse than the Pepe red card. And Arteta said that to Sky simply because of the situation Arsenal are in and their need to win games. To go and do that um, really left them in the lurch. And I do wonder a bit with, with Xhaka where you, really, where you really go from this because I think Arteta put an incredible amount of faith in him, worked exceptionally hard to win him over and bring him back and reintegrate him into the squad. And I just feel like... Jacker with you know what he's done there 
has really, really let Arteta down. And I think Arteta could have gone for him, really, in that in that press conference. Um, I wonder whether he slightly didn't because of the whole history we have with fans. And knowing it's probably not wise setting them on him, but I I, th- I think he really could have gone for for Xhaka there, given the situation, but it didn't. And I'm now it's it's going to be interesting to see because two weeks' time we've got January, and, and what does it say about Xhaka and, and everything around him? Yeah, I mean, we saw Xhaka's been captain during lockdown and while the fans haven't been back. So, like Simon says, he certainly won back the trust of, of Mikel, but, where, you know, I know it's, we're guessing here, but where do you think it leaves him in that, in that regard moving forward? Yeah, it's a really strange one because I, if you cast your mind back maybe a year, just under a year ago, Mikel Teta's first pre-match press conference, he, he, he said that Xhaka was someone he was looking to sign when he was at, when he first joined Manchester City and everybody saw uh, quite quickly why, because of the way that he wanted to use him in the Arsenal side. And I think it's kind of an American term, but uh, I think it fits Shaka quite well. He's quite uh, like a, a system player where Arteta had a system that worked for Shaka and brought out the best in him while uh bringing the demands down. So whereas under Unai Emery, he was asked to do a lot more um, and wasn't as great. He was asked to do maybe less under Arteta in terms of his, his, on the, his on the ball job on the pitch, for instance, and excelled. Now, I think, like Simon said, I think he wanted to pr- protect Shaka a little bit, maybe because of the relationship with the fans beforehand. And I think it was quite interesting to see that his response compared to Pepe's red card was a lot a lot less direct, I think. Uh, I feel he, he, he needed to be guided a bit more in the questions when, when, and then he would say it was unacceptable, whereas he kind of went off his own accord to say that about Pepe, which was quite interesting. Maybe he feels he could get different responses from different players. But um, moving forward, I think he will try to, to get the best out of him again. Whether whether he can do that, I'm not sure. Though I was going to say, I mean, Mark, you've obviously you know we touched on a bit in our introductions that Art and I haven't covered this club as, as long as you have. Um, I mean, does it feels like this is the same problem we've had though with Arsenal? You know, for five, six, maybe even ten years, if you want, when Arteta with the club, where there aren't really any leaders. And perhaps we were wrong to claim that Xhaka was a leader anyway. Do you think that's a fair assessment or is that a bit harsh on, on Granite? Well, that's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because anyone that's worked with him claims that he's he's this great football. I mean, I, th- I think I'd, I'm not speaking out so when I say all three of us think he's a good footballer. I think he gets criticised for some things rightly. And sometimes he has he been rightly used until Arteta came in? Probably not. But even when... Emery first got the job and there was this leadership group that was formed of five players. I think you'd, we sat in a room and you'd struggle to list five that you would consider to be those leaders. So I understand the need and the logic behind a leadership group, but only really if that squad contains five players worthy. I mean, with all due respect to players like Lacazette is in that leadership group and has captained Arsenal this season. Is, is Lacazette captain material? Arguably not. And that's nothing against him. Just some, some players aren't. Jacker. Switzerland captain, you know, he's been Arsenal captain. As we said earlier, he's had the armband even after what happened with the Palace fans last year. It, it is a strange one that everyone behind the scenes seems to see something that, as a journalist and certainly the majority of Arsenal fans, 
are struggling to see. And I don't know about you guys, but he's almost done a favour for his teammates there getting sent off yesterday because we're not really talking about how bad they were again yesterday, are we? Which, let's be honest, it wasn't great. It wasn't another great day at the Emirates, was it? No, I think they would have. I think I think they would have won that game if, if he hadn't got sent off. I really do think that. I know the first half was was pretty sterile. Um, the attack wasn't great again, but that what is it? I think about thirteen minutes spell before Shaka got sent off. I thought they finally started playing with a bit of pace. The tempo was there. Pope made sort of three or four good saves, um, and then Shaka got sent off, and they had to change it all tactically. So I do really think they would have won that game, and and. I know we were we were there before the game, Mark, and we were saying how they just needed any sort of win last night. Like it didn't matter how they got it. Like if it'd been you know a scrappy one nil deflected strike, it really didn't matter. They just needed a win. Um, but now we're in the situation where you look at the next four games, and I'm really struggling to see how they're going to win those. And I'm also struggling to see how Arteta brings this back because I mentioned it in my piece in the paper today. But he he made that point when he when he first got the job, you know, the analogy of saying, you know, if you haven't got the right culture, the tree's going to shake. And, um, you know, the, the tree is really shaking now. And I'm, I'm worried that Arsenal don't really have those roots in place to, to keep it upright. Um, oh, if you come to you, um, I think Simon touched on the attack there. We can, we can happily say yet again, whilst they created chances yesterday, whilst Nick Pope had to make some saves, it's still not clicking up front, is it? And that only adds to the clamour to, to welcome back Gabriel Martinelli, who's, who's working his way back to fitness after a horrific injury for such a young guy. And you've written about him and you obviously saw him play last week at game me and Simon weren't at. So just to explain to us where, where you saw him, is where you consider his fitness levels, but also, like I mentioned there, what kind of pressure do you think he's under when he comes back? And it, it, is it fair? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say Mikel Arteta would want to put a lot of pressure on him. I think the way he's managed all the players that are returning from injury has been quite similar in the way that he's not wanted to force them straight back into the side, like Emil Smith-Rowe, uh, Callum Chambers and Pablo Mari, for instance. They've all kind of been drip-fed back into the squad. And I think he'll want to do similar uh, with Martinelli. But in in the way that he played last week, um, I feel... He, he, he did well in terms of his fitness levels looked fine, but of course he only played 45 minutes. So there is going to be uh, an adjustment time that he needs to properly get up to full match fitness. I think I don't feel that say for instance, against Southampton, he would be an option because I think it'd just be too early um, in terms of just the way he approached the match, the way the things that made him, uh, such a standout player last season was still present in terms of not just um, his appetite to to make things happen on the ball, but also the willingness to put pressure on uh, opposing players when he's not got the ball. And I think that's something that surprised a lot of people last season anyway, with how small a guy he, he was. Uh, the way he was pressuring uh, players last season was a real plus. And I think that really shone through when uh, Aubameyang had his three-match suspension in the Premier League um, in January. Um, but yeah, moving forward, I think the pressure may be more external than internal. I feel 
that Mikel Arteta, like all his other players, will want to maybe protect him a little bit and, and make his transition back into the first team as as easy as possible, if that is possible in any case. Well, he's very unlucky, isn't he? Because he's coming back into a team that's desperate for attacking player and everything. Whereas if you're scoring and winning every week, you can eat you can ease him back in and there isn't that call from the fans to get him back in. But I also think that the timing of his return to fitness, while it's good that he's coming back and everyone wants him back in around the team, you mentioned there your Chambers and your Marys and your Smith Rose have had your open league football and that seemed to be a, a nice pathway to ease them back in. Martinelli's not got that. He's not, I can't think for a second, would he risk playing him in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal? I doubt it because it's a potential trophy. So he, ha- he has almost only got this under 23 football to, to build up again. So I, I could see him not playing over most of the festive period unless there's an injury or suspension in those positions because as you say, Art, why risk potentially setting it, setting him back just just for a quick a quick game, which you might not get because he he's such an explosive player that it is going to take that time to, to build back up to it, isn't it? It's a lot easier, in my opinion, for a Chambers or a Mary to to come back in and work work slowly and build up. When you're a player, you look at that goal he scored against Chelsea last year. You're not going to score that after 45 minutes playing for the under 23. So it's it is a pickle, but I do think you're right. I think Mikel. Will, will hold off any external pressure to get him in the team because it's it's good for the for the kid more than anything. Yeah, I think he's really got to find that balance really because you look at the festive period. You've got uh, Southampton, you've got Everton, Manchester City, Brighton, Chelsea, all in the, all before um, the new year. And I think throwing him into that, trying to expect him to produce something magical, isn't going to be uh, isn't going to benefit him. It's only going to put more pressure on him, which he doesn't really need, especially when you consider he's only uh, 19 years old. And I feel that m- maybe approaching it with more patience could help him, even if it is, even if it does maybe frustrate uh, those on the outside. And one other point I thought was quite interesting last week was that um, Steve Bold with the under 23s and under 21s when it's the Papa John's <laughs> trophy. Uh, he's played a, like a 4-4-2 diamond quite frequently. And he did that again when Martinelli was playing. And of course, in the first team, most people have just seen Martinelli play mostly on the left. And even though he was part of a two-man strike force last week, he did pull out into those areas quite often during the game to link up with, I think it was Miguel Aziz mostly. Uh, and he didn't just stay in that one area. So that was one thing I thought was quite interesting that he was uh, willing to just roam around the pitch and move off the ball, which is something <laughs> Arsenal players in the first team or in the Premier League haven't really been doing too often. And I guess that, that'll be something that'll come as a welcome return uh, as well. Just a quick one, Art. I know um, you obviously got to see him in action. I know that um, Martinelli had sort of deliberately used the time to beef up a bit. Um, because he obviously was so slight when he was coming over. And I think fans had seen on Twitter a few pictures of him and got a bit excited saying he'd, he'd try to make himself like Hulk in the lockdown. But he does look bigger and his English, I think, has also improved. Did you notice any change in his physicality? Did he look a bit bigger than, than he was before the injury? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure because he, uh, uh, he, he had his uh, shirt on and stuff. So I wasn't properly looking, looking at his physique like that. But um, I think... That is an area of his game that was present even last year. I remember 
when first properly given a, a chance in, in the Premier League by Freddie Inberg uh, at Norwich. He, I think he was brought on late in the game and didn't hesitate to shoulder barge his opponents to keep the ball. And that was the same at Goodison Park um, as well, which was uh, a pleasant surprise, I guess you'd say, for, for a guy that was so young. And I think that's something that's only going to continue uh, when he returns and uh, will definitely impress Mikel Arteta as well. So far, we've been hearing from those with an inside track on all things Arsenal. And to look ahead to Wednesday's visit of Southampton, we welcome our first Arsenal outsider as PA Media's chief football writer, Simon Peach, joins us. Hi, Simon. Hi, mate. I'm used to you getting me my coffees on England duty. This is very formal. It is, isn't it? Um, as, a, as a Southampton fan, as a Southampton loyalist, you must be enjoying it at the moment. Um, just sum up the Southampton season so far for us. Uh well, funny enough, there was a lot of hope and expectation heading into the season, but um, after a couple of games, people were a bit worried because Saints did start very well. Uh, they went out of the Carabao Cup, or whatever it's now called, to Brentford. They lost to Palace, and it was just kind of, uh-oh. Is this, after the way it ended last season so positively, there was a bit of trepidation, but we found we hit the we've we found our footing. We've had some brilliant results, and more importantly, some brilliant performances. Sheffield United the other day, for those that watched it, the three 0 win took us up to third temporarily, and kind of underlined everything that was good, is good about us. We have a clear identity. Uh, the players have improved thanks to good coaching. I know that's a novel thing in uh, Premier League uh, football right now. Yannick Vestergaard has gone from somebody that I think anyone would have taken a, a boots voucher at a five or four in January to probably the most informed defender in the Premier League. Um, the rest of the team's adding goals. Danny Ings is coming back from injury. It's all looking up. And uh, unusually, there's not that much fear heading in, heading into an Arsenal match. Yeah, that was my next question, really, because I think I've not seen a lot of Southampton this season, but I've seen a lot of Arsenal. And from what I've read and seen of, of Saints, they're exactly the team Arsenal won't want to visit the Emirates in the way that they get about their business and stuff and getting get into Arsenal, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the only thing from a Southampton perspective is it kind of feels like when you look at Arsenal's losing streak in the league at the Emirates, it's going to come to an end eventually. And we're the kind of side that should win a match like that and would lose it. So maybe, and with I guess fans won't be there now due to the change in restrictions. And so that might actually help after the other day, just the, the difficulty that Arsenal had against against Burnley. I think Saints have the characteristics and quality to hurt Arsenal. It's just whether the t in the turnaround and given the the way I'm sure Arsenal will be desperate to bounce back in some way um, means that they can get that positive result. And then just finally in two words, the name or three words, it might be, but the name of the player that Arsenal should most be looking out for, keeping an eye on for Wednesday night. Well, the good thing is now is that there are multiple players, <laughs> uh, which wasn't always the case. There was there was multiple players to watch out for to see where the mistakes made, but he now plays as one of Arsenal's right-backs, Cedric Suarez. So thank you for that, Arsenal. Um, I really didn't like him as a player, but that's, a, that's a something for another day. Um, James Ward-Prowse, I think, is what you were alluding to with the three names. Um, he is He's really come into his own as captain, Ralph Hasnett. When Ralph Hasnett took over, he wasn't even in his squad for his first match at Huddersfield. Uh, and now he's captain, still wore, um, scored. His set pieces have got even better, I think. 
Um, and he, he keeps the side ticking over. So, yeah, he's the one to watch because ordinarily I say Danny Ings, but he's not quite at full fitness yet. Great. Cheers, Simon. Thanks for your time. So we always close with a question for our reporters. Uh, today, each guest is picking their most memorable away trip covering Arsenal. Let's say so far, because hopefully we'll all be doing it for much more years to come and travelling away as well. So, um, Simon, if I come to you first for your uh, the best away trip you've done so far. Yeah, well, we were saying sort of off air, weren't we, how uh, Art and I have got pretty slim pickings, given uh, most of these games we've done without fans or... In a, in a time of crisis for Arsenal. But I think mine was actually just before I joined the Evening Stand, I got to go on the Singapore tour in the summer of 2018. Um, obviously, they weren't competitive games, but um, they were just amazing to sort of cover from the aspect of, you know, going on tour with the team, um, getting the sort of access we don't normally get week in, week out over here as a journalist was great. And also to see the sort of reach of Arsenal. I think we obviously know they're a big club, but when we go into Singapore and they're sort of selling out 60,000 fans, fan parks, you know, with players doing all sorts of things that are absolutely rammed as well. It was a proper indication of the size of the club and how big it is. And um, from a journalist and working point of view, it was just a great trip. Good one. Uh, Art, we'll come to you next, mate. Uh, like Simon said, slim pickings. Uh, the first game that sprung to mind was actually Liverpool away last season in the Carabao Cup the 5-5 but I think I have to go for a win <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna go for Olympiacos um, away last season in the Europa League my first uh, Europa League trip uh, abroad and uh, covering Arsenal and it was just a, a very unique experience I'd say in terms of everything really from pre-match a few days before where I think Ian Wright had travelled over and was doing like uh, trips around the Parthenon and stuff like that and uh, the game itself wasn't the best game ever but Arsenal got the win they needed at the time and it it was just a, a trip that was quite um, I'm not sure if I'd say special but um, it's been better than most <laughs> since I've started covering the club so I think I think it it it's going to have to be that one. Yeah, my main memory of you there was thinking that it'd be still be warm at nine o'clock in the evening in Athens in February and you're freezing at the ground. But um, <laughs> on a similar on a similar level, mine has to be um, the trip to Ostersunds, which again was the Europa League, just because it was the first season in the Europa League. So there was still a, you know, we all thought they'd be back in the Champions League the next season and we'd be covering that again. And also, I remember Arsene Wenger's press conference was held in a, in a biathlon centre and he... He didn't know that the pitch was 4G. He didn't know who any of the Austin's players were. He, you know, he hadn't put that research in. We were made very welcome by not only the, the locals in the town, but also Graham Potter, who was the manager at the time. He took the time out to actually sit with the English media and have a cup of tea, and we had a chat with him. Just the experience was great. I remember walking to the to the stadium and um, just hearing a strange noise and turning around, It was and it was someone skiing to work. So it was just one of those where... You, you kind of it's are you ever going to cover a game like that again I don't know again I, the, the old pitch performance they won of course but I think those are away trips as a fan and as a reporter sometimes the game certainly plays second fiddle especially in the Europa League doesn't it so um, yeah I think hopefully there'll be some more to come maybe even Benfica next year who knows but um, I'd like to thank you both for joining us today um, hopefully you'll join us again soon on the Arsenal beat uh, stay safe everybody thank you very much